Right, the Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. If you believe you give me an amen. Amen. All right. Um, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding as usual. And after that, we'll get into our teaching for today. Now, remember, it's what? A declaration. This is the first one you're taking this year, so let's take it with a joyful heart. Amen? Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Now this is the first meeting we're having in 2021. And I want to say God will do greater than you expect. I mean that you have the ability to expect. He will do it for you this year in Jesus name. Amen. Remember that we have a payment. Nothing is free. Something must be paid. Amen. Now, what is the seed that we sow for God to do His work in our lives? Attention. What is that seed? Attention. What is that seed? Attention. You pay what? Attention. Attention. That is, learn to focus. It's a very hard thing for people to focus. Learn it. One day, you know, just try yourself. You might try yourself. Just sit down and say, I'm going to sit down for 30 minutes. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I'll just sit down and do nothing. For... Human beings can't. They start forgetting. Suddenly... You know, parts of the body will start itching. They can't sit straight. I just want to go and drink water. I want to go and check who is outside. He said, no, this one, let me just sit for 30 minutes. It's an important discipline. All right? It's something you must learn this year. To focus. To focus. I listen to messages a lot when I'm driving. But you need to learn to listen to messages and do nothing else. They wake up and say, I want to listen to one hour of this teaching. If I'm feeling sleepy, I will stand. And I just put the earphones. If I fall asleep, I will get up again. I don't mean if I'm lying down, I stand up and I fall down. I shall rise again. But this one hour, I must complete it. It's an important thing you have to learn. I am convinced of this statement I'm about to make. A major reason why God can't bless people, one major reason, is that inability to focus. It's a major reason. They can't obey instructions. They can follow God with patience. Very important. Following God with patience. Christ Jesus is a real doctor. Please, if you are listening to this from anywhere, pay attention to these words. Christ Jesus is a real doctor. I don't mean he can heal. We know that. But what I mean is that he's a real physician. The things that we see physically were given to us to be able to understand the things that we see in the realm of the spirit. For example, one of the best ways to understand God is to go and examine the life of a judge, that a human judge, a magistrate, you understand? Just examine how he behaves. It's one of the best ways to understand God. A judge can be a father. I hope you're getting my point. But he can also sentence somebody to death. He can be the most righteous human being, nicest person on the earth. But if you are convicted and the just recompense of reward for disobedience is death, in Nigeria, he will say to you, you shall hang by your neck until you are dead. doesn't matter whether he likes it or not. He has to do it. Otherwise, he will be unjust. 
The same person will step down from where he just pronounced death upon somebody and hug a little child and hug his wife, hug his kids. He can have a tear in his eyes, but he has to do it. I've read my Bible up and down. There is nothing that describes God better than that word, judge. It doesn't mean the only thing he does. It means he has a capacity to be a father and be a judge at the same time. What I'm going to say is that on the earth, let's be careful. Everything we see, look, God left those things to be a witness of his person. Physicians, what I'm talking about, is the same thing. A physician on this earth, you have to see him. You have to sit down. In India, last year or the year before, they, they outlawed consultation on the phone. It made it an illegal thing to do, to phone a doctor, complain, and he prescribes to you on the phone. He, he loses his license because they realize they put too much pressure on doctors. Just phone. Please, my head is paining me. What should I do? <laughs> and the man will know if you understand medicine enough. That he- headache may be from a foot injury. Are you getting my point? That stomach pain that you're thinking of, all right, maybe from something in the head. The tingling in the toes and the fingers, maybe from something in the pancreas. A real doctor doesn't just say, okay, where's the problem? You know, it's on the toes or the fingers. He gives you something to rub on the fingers. That's how you know quacks. That's how you know babalawo doctors. Are you getting my point? Yes. A real doctor will say, when did this start? How has it been? What makes it worse? What makes it improve? Then when he asks all kinds of questions, he now starts what we should, what, what we teach students, we call them systemic review. It's very fun, very boring. Experienced doctors don't even like doing it. They transfer it to the small, small boys to do. You know what they call systemic review? After he has finished asking you about the tingling in your fingers, he now starts to look at all the systems in your body. He did not complain about them. You came with what? Tingling in the finger. He now say, do you have headaches? Do you see well? Do you see double? <laughs> and like, please, sir, I asked about, hey, wait, let me do my work. I use, it goes systematically. It goes from your head. It goes to your nose, your mouth, bitter taste in the mouth. Let me see your mouth. He asks all kinds of questions. Do you swallow well? Ah, and you're looking like, we came talking about tingling in the finger. What's this guy talking about? It goes down to your abdomen. Is your stomach paining you? Do you stool well? How many times a day do you stool? What about your urine? He goes like that step by step. Why? Because many times the tingling of the finger is caused by something in the urine that you have lived with normally for the last two years. You see nothing wrong with it. Everybody in your family has it. You only came to complain when your fingers began to tingle. They will now get to the urine side and ask, ah, you ask her a few questions. The man starts treating the urinary problem. Ah. I remember once I was in school, a woman came and said the child was deaf, couldn't hear anymore. And the, the doctor, very experienced man, one of our senior guys those days, he gave NASA drops. Did you hear what I said? He gave what? NASA drops for ear trouble. So I told the woman, this is a the prescription, they'll give you this at the pharmacy. You drop it, this number of drops, certain number of times, they into her nose. The woman said, excuse me, sir, did you say her ears? Oh, the man said, no, 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 sorry. He needed to emphasize it. I meant her nose. So he turned to us and explained the reason why the girl is losing her hearing, that the problem is at the back of the nose and the throat. What am I I teaching you medicine this afternoon? Because it takes what? Time. It takes time. It takes patience. He will tell you, go and do these investigations. You come back. He spends time. But when it comes to God, you know, we want Ozubo, Ozubo, Yenzu, Yenzu, just touch and go. He's what? A physician. 
They came to Jesus Christ and said, well, not Jesus physically, but that time, you know, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, all right, the Lord of Israel at that time. Moses, the Lord of Moses, of course. Moses came to him. The people are suffering. He said, Moses, what we are going to do? You are going to take um, some um, brass, make a serpent, put it on a pole, and go and stick it somewhere. And tell anybody that's injured, anybody that's been beaten by the serpent, what he will do is to look at that serpent on the pole. And he won't get healed instantly. He will look at it attentively. You understand? With focus. With what the amplifier calls what? A steady and absorbing gaze. He has to look at it expectantly. He didn't say just look and no. Stay there. Sometimes your neck will bend. Your family will help you raise your head. Say, Daddy, you're not dying now. I need to pay school fees next week. <laughs> you can't die with this one. Benga, hold him on that side. <laughs> Victory, hold this side. Daddy, look at the serpent. I bet you got to pay school fees. This is not the time to die. <laughs> and they will stay with him from morning till evening until the healing power in that image enters into his body. Patience. That is why we need it. We need to give... You no, know, I keep on quoting what Lillian B. Yeomans, Kenneth Hagin... And I think John G. Lake, different ones said at different times in similar words, all right, but not exact words. But one of them uses exact words. He said, if anybody anywhere will give them, give me the same attention they give to doctors. He said, I will get them healed 100% of the times and there will be no charge. And when he said there will be no charge, I said, God, the charge is heavy. The same attention. I hope I get my point. That's what people don't have. They have money. They don't have the attention span. They have money. They don't have attention. Why John Gilly had healing rooms in Spokane, Washington, or right, United States, was so that they will have time to minister to people. There are people who he will pray for. Instantly they get well. But most people don't get well instantly. I was showing my wife the other day. Okay, okay, she fell asleep halfway through my message okay, because it was early in the morning. <laughs> I said, I realized that there's a difference between miracles and healing. And the Bible separates them. I don't want to teach it now. But the healing most times takes time. So, they, so he will tell them, come. You will st- they will lodge there. And they will hear teachings morning, afternoon, and night. Sometimes for weeks. Sometimes for a few days. You will come and hear the word. They are not praying for all the time. They are, they are speaking to you. Speaking the word. Speaking the word to you all the time. There are people that never get prayed for. In the process of paying attention, they get healed. Some, as they are hearing the word, faith is so built up in their hearts Paul will see it and say, ah, that one has faith to be healed. I hope you're getting my point here. What we need is what? Attention. Paying attention. He said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them depart from your heart. Keep them, he says, where? In the midst of your eyes. Anyway, eyes and heart. He said, for they are life to those who find them. And that's medicine. Literal Hebrew says, medicine to their whole flesh. Listen, let me just tell you, I don't know where you are watching us or joining us from on MixLR. Coronavirus will not kill you. Yeah. Let me forbid you again from reading the news. I have a classmate that if once somebody dies, he will post it. So I call him CDNN. I used to call him CNN, Calamity News Network. And I gave him a new name, which is CDNN, Coronavirus Death News Network. So when I post something, I delete, I don't read Say, so we need to know it's killing people. Who did not know before? You want to erode my faith? Make me scared. Don't scare me. 
Incidentally, I was reading G Lake this morning, and it says fear opens your pores, it pulls in death into your system. I said something to you before. Spiritual things, they can see. What's one of our Australian prophets? The one that's, that's, that's late now. Neville Johnson. Neville Johnson said, somebody asked him, can demons read your mind? He said, they don't have to. He said, they don't have to. Because sometimes you want to pray in such a manner that only God will hear. Someone says, if you pray in tongues, Satan can't hear what you are saying. I don't know whether it's true or false, but it's an unnecessary revelation. Hear what I'm, did Jesus pray in tongues when he spoke at the tomb of Lazarus? Why didn't they stop Lazarus from rising up? People think that we have to be secretive towards Satan. No, you know, there are some revelations saying, when well, you are praying in tongues, amen. Only God knows what you are saying. Satan does not know what you are saying. If he knows in God, what will he do about it? What will he do about it? We make it like we have to hide from Satan. Anyway, they say, can Satan read, read your mind? Can demons read your mind? They just said they don't have to. It's an unnecessary, it's an irrelevant questioning. Why? It's everything you are thinking. First, of course, we know, I've read from other people, that in the realm of the spirit, thoughts and words are the same thing. If I want you to hear the word logos, all right, the word of God, it's the same thing as the thoughts of God. There's no difference. If you read, um, John, um, uh, what's his name? Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner will tell you that he will think something. Wisdom will give him an answer. Ah, and like, what? You thought you were thinking. Here, we hear everything. It's loud. But let's talk about Neville Johnson. Neville Johnson said, no. Your spiritual state shows as colors in the realm of the spirit. That if you ever get into the realm of the spirit, it's very colorful. That you've never seen that kind of color. As the type you see in the realm of the spirit, on the inside. you've never seen that type. Everything is depicted with colors. That if you are walking in fear, it radiates. They can see. Without knowing you, they feel your fear. You walk past demons with, like dogs. Can you smell that fearful fellow. Let's get him. <laughs> jump. Say, so give me small coronavirus. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Say, jump on his back. Ah, I can't breathe. And the doctor says, jump on his leg. Hey, I'm having foot complications of coronavirus. He'll be laughing. If as a child of God, just shake your head. Say, nonsense. You know what they will say? They will all his waka come out. Let's go and look for somebody else that can receive us. One day, this was those early days of coronavirus. <laughs> One day, I think my wife came and told me that Benga is not feeling well. So I was in the parlor lying down. So I came out. What is it? He said, I can't breathe properly. I give me, come on, get up. <laughs> get up. You can't breathe. I'm not going to have your bath. Go and dress up. I'm going to do something else. I didn't even come. When did they start? What's the problem? Breathe, let me hear. No, no, no. All I gave him was a kick. <laughs> And the boy got up quickly and realized he could breathe. <laughs> he ain't coming here to scare me for goodness sake. What nonsense. You know that coronavirus is everywhere. I'm like, nice, I can't breathe. What do you think you are? <laughs> Black lives matter. That <laughs> is good. Listen, this year we'll pay the Lord attention. We'll pay the Lord attention. Let me tell you why. Because his power will begin to flow in a tangible manner such that most of us here have never seen before. Amen. That is the word of God. Though. 
Please sit down. Let me continue talking. In the house, one of the things my children and us, at least my wife and I, we've read a lot in the last few months, or last few weeks, is the story of Elijah and Elisha. What is the story about? Elisha said, this is my master who wants to go away. We have to collect something from him. We have to collect what? Something. Double portion of his anointing. What does it mean? If you read the Good News Bible, he says, I want to be your successor. You understand? Now, they use that expression. I like the word double portion because literally said double portion. Use that word um, successor because the person who took over from a man got double portion of his inheritance. So a man like Joseph, that was what his father did for him. All right? In having two of his sons. So stuff like that. Anyway, Elijah now says to Elisha, what is it? You know, after I asked Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? Elisha said, you know what I mean. I want double portion of your spirit. Now we we'll call it the anointing now. So, he said to him, it's a hard thing. But with God, all things are possible. Many things that God wants to do, they have conditions. Grace, you know, people say unmerited favor. That does not define grace well. Because grace always has conditions. He said it has to be what? By faith. If it will be in accordance with grace. People talk about grace as it means, listen to me, let me see, this is very important. I like to get into this once in a while. Grace does not mean I do anything I like and God blesses me despite. You hear what I said? Grace does not mean I do just anything I like and I'm assured of God's blessings. That is not grace. Grace means the power of God is flowing towards me because I believe. And there is no faith without obedience. Grace just means that I do the little God has instructed me to do. And it does a great thing that I cannot do. When grace is working in your life, it changes you. It changes your normal manner of walking. It changes your normal manner of speaking. It changes your behavior. It changes everything about you. That's something that grace does. If you have not changed in any way, your grace is not manifesting yet. When I say change now, what I mean is this. I don't mean if you have not bought a car and built a house. That's not what we're calling change. That one will come by the working of grace. God just arranging things for you. But if the time you wake up has not been modified since you started hearing some truths, maybe that grace has not hit you yet. If how hard you work or how smart you work has not changed, the grace has not hit you yet. Because the first thing grace does is to change you. It doesn't just pour things into your life. It takes a man like Abraham and takes him out of his zone of comfort and he begins to live in, you know, like a nomad. That's what grace does. So grace, even though it is free, is not totally unmerited. Now, we don't use the word as if you merited it, but you have to qualify for it. What do I mean? For example, if they say, run from here to Otigba Junction there, and if you can do it in five minutes, we'll give you a brand new, let's say, Toyota Corolla. All right? Under five minutes. Now, if you got there under five minutes, do you think you really spent enough energy to be worthy of a brand new car? No. You did not. It's just that the person that wants to endow you, it's an endowment, says the least you will do for me to show, for me to see that you really are, in quote, deserving of it, is to do that. 
So if you get up, get your lungs like the Bible says, and you start moving, you get there. Listen, normal walking like that does not end money. Because for you to end money, you have to render service to somebody. What service have you rendered to us now that we should give you that? So that's why we say it is free. It is free in that regard. But that you did not merit it. Hey, wait, you didn't sit here and get it. You had to trek. You had to move fast. You had to get to that junction in less than five minutes. So in that case, you can see that you had to qualify for that thing. Even though when we look at the effort you put in, and look at the value of the thing we gave you, they can't be compared. But as little as the effort is compared to the value of the stuff you are getting, you still have to put in that effort. So you hear Paul say things like, he found me faithful, and he committed to me what? A ministry. I had to be faithful in the little thing. You hear Paul say things like, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace walking towards me did not prove in. How? I sat in my house and ministry happened. No, I labored more than them all. So the first thing grace did for me was to make me labor. I hope you're getting my point. It's important we get that these things clearly. So back to the issue of Elijah and Elisha. So Elisha said, Elijah said to Elisha, now this is the prize for inheritance. This is what you need to do for this part to come into your life. If you can see me. Is it that the man is blind? <laughs> if you see me as I'm taking up, and if you see from the beginning, he kept on offering distractions to Elisha. The Lord has said that he should go to Jericho. Wait here. Elisha said, <laughs> I'm not waiting here. I'm going with you. The Lord said, I should go to Gilgal. Wait here. Wait where? You're not serious. Okay. We are going to Gilgal together. The Lord said, I should go to Jordan. Everywhere he said, God said, I should go. He said, we are going to go together. Now, let me say something about Elijah and Elisha again. You know, when they were going to describe Elisha at the point in time, they said he was the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. And I've had people come into kingdom to tell me, say, sir, I want to pour water on your hands. And this was even before the days of coronavirus. <laughs> you wanted to help me wash my hands. You know the truth? They don't understand. Many times, you know, Christians, oh God, this is our seed sowing thing. That doctrine, it borders on, in fact, it's, ah, it's self-righteousness. That's the best way I can describe it. I want to use more, you know, serious words. Because we, we just want to do our own thing. As a matter of fact, we do stuff. For God to release his power. But it's what he says, not what you say. Elisha couldn't come to Elijah and to say to him, I'm plowing, sir, with 12 yokes of oxen. It's a sacrifice for you. Take, sir. Now, let me inherit your anointing. He will have said to him just what Peter said to Simon. Your money perish with you. But what did he do? When Elijah, earlier on, cast his cloak upon him, he came to him and said, sir, let me first go home. Say bye-bye to my people. Elijah said, it's your life. You do what you like with it. But Elisha understood that if he didn't follow at that point, he would have missed it. So he turned around. He was a wealthy man. He was plowing with how many years of oxen? Was it 12? Can't remember the exact. Let's just look at it. It's good to get this, these facts right. But what he did was he took the oxen, sacrificed them, and he followed Elijah. When, when I, when, you know what I was saying? He was saying to him, I'm, down, I'm done with my current manner of life. 
Yes. Twelve pairs. That's what the Bible says, my New American Standard. First Kings chapter 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him. That's 24. That was not the poor man plowing. Do you understand that? And he, and he with the twelve, that is the twelve set. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and bought their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Now, this is where people make the mistake. The fact that he was ministering to Elijah. What many think is that, let me pour water on your hands. And I've seen that before. They volunteer to wash your car. They volunteer to wash your clothes. They volunteer to carry your bag. People have done that to me, you understand? They volunteer to do all of these things. They will even give you money. Offer services. But they make a major mistake. That was not what made Elisha Elisha. That was not what qualified Elisha to receive the anointing that was upon Elijah. That was not. You know what qualified him? Yes, that was part of it. It appeared like. But what qualified him was proximity. That he heard everything Elijah had to say. Elijah wakes up in the morning, he's praying, he overhears. As the Lord is speaking to Elijah, half of these messages he will hear, because as God is speaking, you know, there are people who just repeat what they are saying. So God is speaking, nobody can hear. But Elijah is responding by repeating what the Lord is saying to him. Elisha would hear. I hope you're getting my point. It's not as if he has gone to run an errand so far away. And Elijah is doing something else. What made him wonder poured water? Why did the Bible say he poured water? Was that if you are pouring water on somebody's hands, you understand? You are not there fetching water. You are doing what? Pouring water. The man, you are here, you are close. He's here, you are hearing everything he has to say. I am convinced that before Elijah, Elisha could receive the anointing upon Elijah, he had received all the words of Elijah. It wasn't just the anointing he received. First of all, he received what? The words. The words. That's how you drink of the spirit of an individual. That's how you drink of the spirit. It's not just by laying on of hands. Before you qualify to receive the one that comes by the laying of hands, you first must hear the words. You hear the story of um, the woman with the issue of blood. When she heard of Jesus, the first thing she did was to hear of Jesus. They had told her so much about Jesus Christ that it had created a negative, you know, um, pole in her heart. So by the time she touched the hem of his garment, the power possible on the other side, boom, discharged into her. Many people want to just go and touch and nothing flows. Why? They have heard nothing. The only thing they have heard is that if they walk for them, and we'll try. Okay, let's try. If it doesn't work, then we'll go to this other side. I hear say, you know, you know these fake prophets. Let me just, God, we are streaming live. I don't want to be abusing anybody now. Well, you know, some people will leave what you are preaching. They will not be saying that you said this man is false. As if people cannot be false. And I can assure you, in Nigeria of today, this is 2021, January, right? In my own estimate, 
75% of faces you see in posters are false prophets. It's one reason why you don't see my face there anymore. Unless I'm not the one, I'm not involved in planning that program. Because what I hear is his banky also amongst the prophets. And what I mean by false, false prophets. They're all over the place. I, I, I like to sit on it once in a while. It's important. When they want to solve your problem, they tell you who's causing it. Once they start with who's causing your problem, the person is false. I don't care how fine the suit is. In fact, I've noticed these days, I'm beginning to correlate the falseness of a, of a prophet with the shininess of the suit. The, I, I, it, there's a small correlation I'm discovering. One is, if I want there's someone prophet on TV, original false prophet of Nigeria, you know, number one. I saw him on TV. It was as if they laminated his suit. My wife remember that day. The suit was shining. You no? Know? He had this, you know what they call lacquer? When they shine your car. Yeah. So he had this thick layer of lamination. This kind of, and you fold like, no crease. Not this kind of way they were. I said, man, false prophecy is good though. They buy better clothes. <laughs> good in that sense. So, you know, woe to him that calls good, evil, and evil good. So God, I forg- forgive me. What I mean is that, <laughs> when I look, I say, ah! So please, there are so many false prophets around. And that's a matter of fact. How you know them? Let me tell you how you know them. Two things. This is not all. There are some other things. Just that we're not in the school of false prophecy now. I've told you more. All right? Okay, in fact, I'll tell you plenty. I'm in the mood of telling plenty. One, they're always drawing attention to themselves. There was one I saw the clip the other day. He said, I have four powers. Three I have not yet used. <laughs> I have Abido Shaker. I have Kanduza Kanduza. I said, I like this guy. No, I told my brother, I said, I like this guy. I said, do you know why I like him? Anybody who wants to follow him is not looking for Christ Jesus. The man said, I have, this is power I have. I have can do this, can do that, can do do, can do that. What was the other one? They have all kinds of them. <laughs> yes, can do scabash. I have all of them. So, <laughs> when I hear those things, I, I, I told the brother first, I said, I like this man. I like this guy. I said, because nobody following him is looking for Christ Jesus. They are looking for what? Power. That's one thing. They draw attention to themselves. And it was like, ah, me? He said, I'm not one of those. Listen. My own is that I'm going to give this thing back to those who gave it to you. I said, this guy is a real false prophet. Some people said, ah, but he said this and he was right. You know what Englishman said? Even the clock that's not working is, is correct two times in a day. You know that? Yes. If you see a clock, clock is not moving again. So the hand stops at, the, maybe the left arm is on ten, and then the other one is just past five, which uh, just before five. You say it's ten minutes to five. There are two 10 minutes to 5 every day. There's one early in the morning. There's one in the evening. You can say, but the clock is correct now. No. No. So, many people are looking, okay, ah, I've not finished, Abby. I've given you one, which is what? Draws attention to himself. Yes. Another one, they tend to prophesy money out of your pocket. Almost everything is connected with, by a sheet. I saw one on TV the other day. Hey, I don't know. Don't ask me how I got there. He said, Pastor, what are you looking for? You know, sometimes we're just changing channel because they see things. Say, so we are going to minister the new, the 2021 holy water. I said, ah, now I stop. Say, let me see what is happening. Now I sit down. Hmm. <laughs> they will spray it on the television screen. You know, it's, it's, a, it's Skype and the Zoom. As I spray, the spray will be jumping. He said, demon is coming out in their house in Germany. I said, oh boy, in I get power. 
So I, I, I was waiting for them to tell us how much the anointing oil is, anointing water, because they're packing those small, small bottles. Apostle, you know when you want to buy motor car ministry, think about it. Those small, small bottles for 5,000 naira. First, people go buy. You know why you don't have money? Is that you don't sell anything. All these men of God that don't sell anything. That's why you are broke. If you sell something, people, you die early, I know, but at least. <laughs> Before that time, you could own job. You could own job, belly food. Just sell something. You know, human beings are funny. They will buy you. Just make sure it's not a book. Ah, that's the one that does not sell. Just collect the handkerchief. Say, Pastor, pray over this one. It's 5,000 naira for one. It's free, just an offering, love offering to the ministry. There is a pack of 10 for your whole family, discounted at 25k. Do you know what? It will sell. It will sell because, you know, people <laughs> may just try. May not, may not be like, say, we will not try. It will sell. And it's money. Just give it once. One day, a woman talked talk to my wife. My wife couldn't believe her ears. She had to check whether her ears really working properly. Somebody gave her the number of a prophet that would pray because she was sick. And they began to praise the prayer. So the man said 500,000, not 500,000 of this year, one dollar is four, four, almost 500. One dollar was one, like 180. They begin price. Finally, they paid how much? Okay, sorry. They started from one million. The woman said, please now. So what kind of man of God do you think I am? Please, sir, I know you are genuine, sir. Now, so the man said that. Finally, say, okay, let them go and pay 600,000 naira. Man of God. You know the painful part? They paid. And rather agree was, she did, of course. She rather agree was. She was nothing better, but rather agree was. Human beings are fantastic. When I see the kind of things human beings fall for, before I used to get angry, I don't get angry anymore. I've seen qualified medical doctors, hmm? specialists, believing this nonsense conspiracy theories all over town, that Bill Gates wants to take over the whole world by injecting you with RNA. And when you see doctors believe it, I'll be looking like, going to school does not make you wise. I've come to that conclusion. So it doesn't even worry me anymore. When I see the kind of kinds of things, I don't want to argue with people anymore. I say I had that issue this afternoon. I told people, I said, please, who are this day that wants to take over the whole world where my father, my God, is still alive? When Jesus is still Lord? I quote a scripture for them. I said, people say, God, look. I said, guys, relax. The Bible says clearly. That God decides the times of man. He tells you when nations will rise and when they will fall. Who is it that commands a thing and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Who is it that utters a thing and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? And let me not, let me not get beside myself. You'll be amazed at what people believe. And that reason where you know false prophets, they always prophesy money out of your pocket into their own. That's true, right? Another one. And that's, for me, the most important one you need to know. They always blame somebody for your problems. Almost always. And let me say this to you again. I don't care whether they are seeing visions or they are not. 
You can see visions. You can see missions. You can see anything you want to see. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I hope you're getting my point. Why are you identifying to me who caused my problem? Did I ask you? Who did you see Jesus heal or minister to? That he first identified for them who caused their problem. You think they were not sick people and people in trouble in the days of Jesus? He just cast out demons, laid hands on the sick, did his miracles, and he went his way. He was not doing this descending of spirit who caused it. Okay, so after we have found, all they end up doing is doing what the Bible says, one of the things that God hates, separating brethren. Let me prove to you, you don't believe anything. If you are hiding when you are traveling because of witches, you don't believe anything. You are non-believer. You don't believe anything. Jesus is not your Lord. You don't believe anything. You don't believe anything. You don't believe anything. My friend told me once, the sister-in-law was pregnant, was about to deliver. The sister took her. That is my friend's wife, the sister. Another sister of his wife took the younger girl who was pregnant to her pastor to pray. And the pastor began to pray. And he began to explain in his prayer everything that auntie, uncle, gave her to drink. Every poison. Begin to vomit it. We neutralize it by the blood of Jesus. He said, Banky, before this girl arrived, she was not thinking of any auntie, thinking of any uncle, thinking of any poison, or was not suspicious of anything. He said, but after that prayer, now she's suspicious of everything. He said, was that a prayer of bondage or of deliverance? Was that a prayer of bondage or of deliverance? It's bondage. Suddenly, she's afraid of uncles and aunties. Somebody who lived her life freely up to that particular point in time. You have not delivered her. You put her in bondage. Let me say this to you again, and I'm not joking about it. I'm giving you true Christian history in Nigeria. Most of these prayer people pray, you see around. It's amazing. It's pure. <laughs> what I want to say, it will have sounded racist, except that I'm a black man. Now what I've said, you explain you understand it. You know when a black man calls another one nigger, there's no problem. Say, what's up, my nigger? Say you, everything is cool. Let a white man say it. Insensitive, racist, discriminatory, we'll find all kinds of names. So what I want to say now, nobody can nobody can do anything to me. All these rubbish prayers they pray, Apostle Steve. I hope you know it's Yoruba culture. Check, your, check this country. The biggest, especially Pentecostal denominations, where are gas come from? I'm telling you the truth. Check all of them. Take it from me. Most of it is pure Yoruba culture. It's not Christianity. It's Yoruba culture. I don't want to start on that now. It's pure Yoruba culture. Every power hanging in the air. Now, Yoruba people, they hang for air. You don't see Boma hang for air before. If he hang for a shop, you know they hang for air. <laughs> They're the ones that hang in the air. They say, I fly. Listen, only two groups of people fly in Nigeria. Beneath people and Yoruba people. Nobody else, they fly. 
You are either from Ogun or you're from Edo. No man from, uh, from uh, Imo don't fly before. All the women in Anambra, they don't know how to fly. They are on witchcraft. Okay, river rank people do mommy water small. But the air people. So that's why they now come and teach you how to pray to, to, to jam them. <laughs> oh man, oh God, one day was this something, we were just laughing. Say, carry me to the choir. They carry me to the Say, anybody who say you will not marry, I jam them. So one of my sisters said that. Those who are jamming, nobody's carrying them with you. <laughs> you, you want to fly. You need that men to carry you in your chair. He said, the people you are jamming, they are floating by themselves. You're cross like, phew, they are in, they are in the air. The Lord is good. All of this, eh, I'm telling you the truth, Yoruba culture. That, well, mostly Yoruba culture in Nigeria, at least, they have been Christianized. Yes, because they had a serious background of such things. And the people who brought them out did not fully teach them the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What they learned was the power of God. So they took the power of God and returned to the fight. Are you getting my point? They did not know that, no, that's not how it's done. You leave that realm. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, just dwell there. You abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You don't go back to the, norm, the lower levels to start fighting. But what they were, they were taught was you fight. Ha, sometimes you say, ah, hey, you are sleeping. Your enemies are not sleeping. Have you heard that before? Yes, sir. Say, how can you be sleeping? They are doing 40 days fasting on your head. You are here sleeping. Tonight, you will get up and say, Father, you will remember me. <laughs> now, now. All of it is because they think you take the power of God and go back to the battle. They don't, they don't understand that God looks and says, I've beheld no iniquity in Jacob. They don't understand that there is no enchantment for that reason against Jacob. Neither does any divination work against Israel. So they don't return to the battle at that level. Spiritual battle, they're fighting. I jammed them. You just lie down you know, in the secret place of the Most High and you abide under His shadow. That is a major mistake they made. That just by the way. So like I was saying, what do false prophets do? They are always looking for who to identify as the cause of your problems. I know it's a digression. I've given you three ways by which you identify false prophets. They don't magnify the victory that you have already in Christ. They don't because they don't know it. And like I said to you all the time, there are two groups of false prophets. There are those that don't know Christ. They are not Christians. They came into the business because it's good business. It makes money. Imagine that bunch of handkerchief we are talking about. People who buy, put inside luggage, send to their children abroad. You know that? And if I find out as a prophet that this is for export, I charge you in dollar. Say, man of God, pray. What's happening? Uh, my son is traveling. So you will see the elder ones, they are all abroad. So maybe just give us anointing and ah. It becomes, suddenly it becomes hundred, hundred dollars. There are people like that, they came in because of the money. But there are those that they are just ignorant, they don't, they don't know better. They are true Christians, or they have a call to ministry, but instead of settling down and learning the word of God and hearing from the Spirit on what they should be doing, 
they go and learn the ways of the old prophets. They now think this is a way by which ministry is done. That's another set of prophets. I consider them some of the more dangerous ones because they are going to mislead Christians because Christians will think they're following a real another Christian. I mean, if I'm telling you I have a bit of shaker, you don't even worry. You, I mean, are you getting my point? You're not confused as to who, as to what he's up, up to. But when he speaks in tongues, and you listen, and your spirit says the tongues is genuine. When he prays in the name of Jesus, when he has testimonies of what God has done in his life, he starts giving you false prophecies. You are suddenly conflicted. That is the second type of... But no matter what it is, it's still false that does these things that I've told you. The Lord is good. Back to where we began from. So, what did Elisha do? Elisha had his focus on Elijah. I went into that talking about the widow of Zarephath, not the, the, the woman with the issue of blood. It was what she had heard that primed her for her to be able to receive that jolt of power when she connected with Jesus physically. She heard something. I was explaining that Elisha, he had been hearing Elijah. So when the Bible says that this was the Elisha that poured water on the hands of Elijah, don't think it's about the service. The service is secondary. The service is good. Listen, I'm not downplaying the service. Please. The Bible makes it clearly. It makes it clear to us that God is not unjust so as to forget your the labor of love that you've shown towards his name in that you minister to the saints and you still do minister. I'm not taking away anything away from it. But I'm talking about the ability to receive that spirit of Elijah. It wasn't because of service. It was because of proximity. By which Elijah had been pouring through words, the spirit into Elijah, Elisha ahead of time. By which Elijah had helped Elisha to see how spiritual things were operated. By which Elijah had explained to Elijah, Elisha, no, 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 they don't, they don't want you want to pray, you don't do that. They don't do that. This is how you fast. By which one day they were going and one woman whistled and Elisha smiled and Elijah gave him a slap. Sister, why? Don't ever smile at the whistle of an adulterous woman. It corrupts the anointing. After that, when the woman smiles, Elisha says, God punish you. And then he continues going. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> you want to corrupt my anointing. Nonsense woman. Start quoting scripture. <laughs> quoting all kinds of things. Why? Because Elijah had told him. Elijah told him how the anointing worked, how the anointing did not work. He had observed it. He had observed Elijah going to pray, bending over, praying seven times. And people had told me before that if you really have faith, you pray once God will do something. He said that was not how Elijah prayed. He prophesied to Ahab. And then we saw the kind of prayer that he prayed. He said that was not how it was. Even if I wasn't there, he told me about it afterwards. Because, you know, it was after that he went to collect Elijah. You know, he told me about it. He had observed all of these things. He had given, that's where I'm going, he had given all the attention to Elijah for some time. Elijah now said, let's prove it. Because anytime you test people, it is not that test really that's the real examination. It's just the fullness of the testing. I hope you're getting my point. You hear things like, and it came about that God tested Abraham. Was that the first test? 
Of course not. For him to sacrifice Isaac, it was not the first test. He called Abraham, that was a test. Leave your father's house was a test. Leave the goods of the kings of Sodom because the man actually made that promise before he went to battle. He made that vow to God. It's not written clearly in the scriptures, but he made the vow to God. I'm not fighting this battle because of what I'm going to get. I just want to deliver my people. And to prove it, I'm not touching anything. That was a test. He failed the test somewhere along the line. Then he recovered from it. Then God gave him another opportunity to correct that. He said, let Ishmael go. That was a test. That was a test. He kept on doing those, doing the training, getting the exams set for him. He was having what we call in modern um, education, continuous assessment. Then finally, a day came that the Lord tested Abraham. Let me tell you something. God would not institute that test until he knows ahead the result. What you call a test, another word the Bible uses is this. A time came when God proved Abraham. Listen to me. What God was doing was demonstrating. There was nothing Abraham did at that point in time that was a surprise to God. God knew the man he had worked with. He knew the man he had trained. Why he put that test up at that time was two things, but I'll talk about one. Because he looked and said, Abraham is now ready. Now let us prove to everybody what we know. I hope you're getting my point. Tests are like that. You know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day. We were just talking. They said, no, this is a modern way in education now. That each students are tested on a daily basis. Not the one at the end of the year. You know, you're not doing one almighty exam. He said, no. On a daily basis, you're supposed to be testing them. Weekly, you give them tests. At the end of a class, you give them a test. You keep on accumulating those five marks, five marks, five marks, five marks. At the end of the year, you now put it together. So that's the real examination. So what schools now do is that you may find that continuous assessment and other tests constitute about 60-65%. At the end, the last bit is the exam. That's exactly what God was doing with Abraham. And exactly, see, why I'm saying this is be very careful. You know, <laughs> young man asked me once, how will I know? Because I was talking about what I wrote in that book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. All right? I said, listen, in life, the lila will come and all of that. And the lilas are the ones that sap, drain, and condemn the anointing of Men of God. Men now, not, not, not meaning a man can be a woman. You get my point? The people of God, servants of God, that's how they lose their anointing. So be careful of Delilah and all of that. And he asked me, of course, question and answer. He says, sir, how will I know my Delilah? And of course, all of us know Delilah is not a woman. Delilah is a spirit. Some Delilahs are men wearing Agbada offering you contracts. Yes? Samson's Delilah was a woman. But there are so many Delilahs moving around. They are not women. They are men. Delilah is a spirit. Delilah is a spirit. A spirit that has been ordained, commissioned, to cripple people's destinies. To prevent them from fulfilling the plan of God for their lives. So the young man wanted to know, how will I identify my Delilah? And of course, even if it's a woman, her name is not likely to be Delilah. I hope you know that. Yes, Even if it's a woman, her name is more likely to be mercy, grace, comfort. Give me another English name. Patience. Peace. Faith. You know all these very Christian names. Satan borrows them to confuse you. 
It's a Christian girl. It's a lie. The fact that her name is patient doesn't mean anything. Faith doesn't mean anything. We'll not come to the normal, if we'll not come to the Nigerian name, so. One name the person will not bear is what? Delilah. Because who wants to be Delilah? Who, okay, who go born in Peking? The only person that will do that is Lady Gaga. You know, some people are mad. You know, before a woman was called Lady Gaga, when we were young, when somebody has gone Gaga, it was madness, right? Then one day I heard a musician called Lady Gaga. I don't know what she looks like. I don't know any bit of her music because Nigerian musicians don't let you hear any other thing now. You know now. It's not about righteous. Don't they are pastors so righteous that don't know what Lady Gaga is saying? No. It's more like I'm more likely to know what Tiwa Savage, her own local madness is saying before I know what the international crazy man they say. I hope you're getting my point. So. The Lord is good. So one day we sat down in the house. My wife and I were watching TV. Lady Gaga released a perfume. You know, celebrities will not release perfume. Yeah. You know, she released one. And they asked her, I said, no, it's designed to make you smell like a slut. Yes. I heard. See, I remember. So you have to smell like a shell. So she can have a daughter and call her Delilah. For sure. So why did you name your daughter Delilah? I want all these men of God to fall. And she will laugh about it. Please believe how. She ain't joking, bro. She ain't joking. She's not joking. When she said that in the Bible, smell like a slut, it's a prophetic word. And they will say that and they will laugh. Don't laugh. Oh. Don't buy the perfume. Don't buy it. What is wrong with smelling like the rose of Sharon? Anyway, so Delilah is not likely to name herself Delilah. So the young man said to me, how do I know my Delilah when she will come? And I answered, I answered him, it's not necessary. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity... It means what? Your strength is small. You don't need to identify the day of adversity ahead. Just make sure your strength is built up. Building up yourself on your most holy faith. That's what you need to do. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what you need to do. If you do that, Delilah has no chance. It will come. It's been the spirit of Delilah. But you will overcome it with not, without even knowing it ever came. What am I saying? That's how it is. So, when you see something fall for Delilah, he had been failing the tests every day. He had failed the tests in disobedience to parents. He had failed the tests in going to one place and seeing a woman there. And going to another place and seeing a harlot there. And going after the harlot. That was when he was failing the test. Bit by bit. So Solomon said, don't give your strength to that which destroys men. Little by little, they have been gnawing away at his strength. Chipping out bit by bit. Paring away from his strength. strength, Bit by bit. So finally one day, the test came. Because he had been failing, he failed. Back to Abraham. Because Abraham had been passing, he passed. Because Elisha, back to Elisha, he had been focusing, he focused when the final test came. The final test says, if you will see me when I'm going, then it's yours. 
the man had exercised himself in focusing on Elijah. He was used to it. Scores of men tried to distract him. He would get somewhere, they, they say, ah, are you aware? We had the revelation last week. Or God went into the realm of the spirit and saw your God disappearing. Elijah said, Elijah said, I know. My God told me to. He said, but like um, good news we say, let's not talk about it. I have other things to focus on. Don't focus on the fact that he's going. Let's focus on what he will leave behind. Different schools of prophets came and told him the same thing. They could not distract him. Then finally, because he had been focusing, that's the point. Because the focus had been all the way. No, I, I asked her the other, here the other day. Most people, of course, fail the test all the time. For those who have not taken the test, let's test them again. Don't answer because many of us have taken the test, but now know the answer. How did Elijah, Elijah go up to heaven? Was it with chariots of fire? You know, the Bible says that chariots of fire and horsemen came. Most people will say yes. But last time I explained it here, no. He went up where? How? In a whirlwind. The chariot of fire were the last set of distractions. But they could not get Elisha. That was why the power came into his life. I hope you're getting my point. Listen. Hi. Uh We have time. This year we are going to, this is school of Tyrannos. Tyrannos. How did they call it again? You know what? We will teach and preach until the power of God literally physically falls. People say they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and the fire fell. I don't know. They try. Me, I'll do like Paul. We will talk and talk and talk. You know what made the power fall in the house of Cornelius? Was anybody praying? Talking. You know what Paul said to the Galatians? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by the works of the law or how? Hearing with faith. People say they prayed for, five, for 10 days at the stretch. I used to ask, what were you saying? I mean, no insult. I'm not quarreling. I just want to know. I know one man said, I went to Japan there. I prayed for 10 hours. I said, bros, 10 hours. I don't have a problem with you praying for 10 hours. What were you saying for 10 hours? Because if I told you I just stayed with my friend for 10 hours, you're like, ah! What did people see those discourse? And now you're the only one talking, and you spoke for 10 hours. I'm not saying it's bad. I just want, I would like somebody to record one of those prayer sessions. I want to hear what the person was saying. And don't tell you, you were saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I've seen prayer like that. I'm not mean, I mean, I don't have this, this, you know. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I can't do it. Let me put it like that. Because when I say the first Jesus, the next one, I'll be wondering, Jesus is telling me, I heard you the first time, huh? So Jesus will say, thank you. Call your wife. And I call my wife, Mrs. B. Call her again, Mrs. B. Mrs. B. By the third time, my wife will say, is everything all right? <laughs> so if he's closer than my wife is, by the second time, he's wondering, Banky, are you together? First time you called my name, I heard you. What is the problem? Like one joke I read long ago said, say, don't disturb, I'm praying. You not heard that before? Oh, you didn't catch the joke. The boy said, our father was in heaven. Father said, uh-huh, can I help you? He said, please don't disturb, I'm praying. <laughs> I said, you called me. I didn't call you, I was praying. 
<laughs> the Lord is good. Now, so this point I'm not to make. How did the Galatians receive the Spirit? By what? Hearing with faith. How did the house of Cornelius receive the Spirit? It was by hearing. The kind of hearing that kindled faith in their hearts. That did not even allow Peter to pray. They received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water. God did that one to scatter all the, I've heard all kinds of theories. How to be born again. First, this, second, this, third, this, that. God knew they would preach that message in the year 2020. <laughs> so let me destroy it now. So, they got born again. They were filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Peter and I said, but they are not yet baptized. He said, let's quickly go and have them baptized so that we don't spoil our formula. Well, God said, I don't spoil them already. Because of what? Hearing with faith. Because of hearing with faith. So if anybody wants the power of God to fall into his life, into her life, you have one assignment in 2021. It is what? Focus. Hearing with faith. Paul wrote that to the Galatians. How did you receive the Spirit? Was it because of works that you did? No. How did you receive? They agreed. It was what? Hearing with faith. It was hearing with faith. It was what? Hearing with faith. Listen. This year, that is the focus of and I'm not talking about ministry now. That is kingdom words focus. No. Your focus, my focus. The other day I was ill. What happened was that, um, you know, I was ill for some time ago. You know, I got well. Then this time, some weeks later, I fell ill again. That first time, all right? I took, I'm not taking malaria medicine in a very long time. Don't laugh at me. Say, Pastor, you took malaria medicine, bro. That's why I say, I don't even know what I was thinking. Unbelief. But anyway, what? <laughs> So, a few weeks later, my wife was like, um, why are you doing like, you know, like, I was like, please, the fan is too much. I can't say the fan is too much. Everywhere is hot. So, I would dodge to one corner. Then she now touched me and said, ah, your body is warm. I said, I'm okay. But in the second day, I realized I was not very okay, actually. I wasn't feeling well. My appetite was trying to, you know, and just by the way. If you're not feeling well, don't let appetite pass that through that door. You must eat. You know, our most reverend Israel. That day I heard his wife fell on him, so he collapsed. She didn't literally fall on him anyway. So I asked her, has he eaten? He said, no. I said, that is the problem. When you say a man is very weak, Satan is very wise. You know what he does? He removes your desire for food. You will not be ill because you will be weak. I'm tired. You say, I'm sick. It's not sickness. It's hunger. But because it has removed your appetite, you don't realize it's hungry, uh, hunger because you don't wish to eat. You just say, this, this coronavirus wants to kill somebody. If I suspect, they should give all those kind of coronavirus patients food. They might recover. <laughs> now, that one is a joke. Please, don't go and write it down. Say, Pastor Bank is a food. <laughs> anyway, so, that one, I began to feel ill again. Second, ah. I said, no. We have been down this road before, those days. First thought that came to my mind is to start thinking, um, is it chloroquine resistance? Is this this or that? Is it this one? You know, all kinds of English. 
But in my spirit, I heard the word clearly. Man can go and take medicine. I said, Lord, I know. So one day, my wife didn't know what I was doing. She wanted me to do something. I said, please, I need to take my medicine. So she was like, which medicine are you taking? But when she saw what I did, she understood the point. I just laid down, took a Bible, to, well, my, used my device, and a book I was reading. And I sat down and read for maybe like 30 minutes, one, one hour. I thought, I said, okay, what do you want me to do? I thought she got the point. Do you know what I did? I took my medicine three times a day. I just gave myself the prescription three times a day. So what's the medicine? I had the book I was reading. I'll go out. I'll be really, really tired. I thought I said, oh, it's afternoon. Time for my medicine. I'll bring out the book, bring out the Bible. And then I will lie down, eat and swallow and digest for like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I get up, continue what I'm doing. At night before I sleep, the same thing. I literally wake up, wake up during the night to drink my medicine. I say, Abba, you're not going to start throwing chalk down my throat all the time. You know what I found out? This is not even because it's not now. I learned that more than 20 years ago. When he said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. When he says, they are medicine to those who find them. And their life to those who find them. are medicine to their whole body. I discovered that long ago. There was a time, you know, talking about malaria. I mean, I have medical training. This was years ago. I was ill like that. I wanted to take um, a malaria medication. Something, well, I won't give you details now, but the Holy Spirit just said no. So, I threw away the medicine. You know what? It took me almost a month to get well. Don't think I just got up and said, whoo, I was well. Nah, lie. I struggled with that thing for the next one month, at least. But what did I do? I knew what the Holy Spirit was saying at the beginning. It's simple. So I took my scriptures. So you see me, day and night, I'll be feeding with the word of God. Day and night, I'll be feeding day and night. The word was more important to me than food. Because I was fighting. I knew what I was doing. I didn't go to anybody to test what was wrong with me. I was not interested. I was living alone. I stayed in my room. And day and I would go to work. I lost weight. I remember because I had no appetite. I wasn't eating. Ah, what's wrong with you? I didn't talk to most people. But day and night I was I carried my Bible everywhere. Before I sleep, I listened to one hour of message. The Lord allowed that thing to stay for some time because I needed to feed strongly on the word and be built up to a level where I'll be able to minister to people. I needed it. I I didn't go back to say. Which message should I take now? The one I wanted to take at the beginning, the Holy Spirit said no. I don't want to give you details on how he said it now, but he did it clearly. And I knew what he was saying, that this will not help you. Now, let me tell the story of when it was chicken pox that attacked me. Wham, I woke up one day, my whole face was full of the pox. I said, what? I took David to Oedipus. Then I'd, it wasn't just one day. I'd been chopping that thing. So I went back, looked for it. Supernatural Living, tape two. I put it in. Listen to it, about one hour, one hour, a few minutes. When the message was done, I put my hand on my face and I cursed the thing. I woke up next morning, it was gone. Literally, next morning. You know, many of the problems we have in life is, you know, like John G. Lake, we say, the spirit has become what? Weak. Well, let me tell you what weakens the spirit. Many things. One of them, too many activities that do not allow us to prioritize feeding with the word of God. 
They come subtly. Sometimes, you know, the temptations of good people is not bad things. It is very unlikely. You will go to the red light district at night to go and carry one woman that you don't know. And two of you now go and get drunk. It's very unlikely. Good people are, that's why they tell you the enemy of the best is what? The good. That's what they mean. Good people are really tempted with good things. Because they are so responsible, they are busy here and there. They do not focus on the foundation for their life. You know, what David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Sometimes, in fact, that's what I wanted to preach today. But I don't know, I'll read that scripture anyway, if the Lord will allow. Sometimes God allows affliction. Let's leave this allowed thing. Sometimes God sends affliction. People say God never sends affliction. It is Satan. That doctrine is unbalanced. It is not a balanced doctrine. God afflicts people. Both in the New Testament and in the Old. The Old is full of it. But people say that's Old Testament. They will come to the New and find it there also. Jesus said himself, I will cast somebody on the bed of affliction and I will strike her children dead. That one was very direct. Paul said, I have cast that one over to Satan. For, I mean, who's responsible for that? Is it Satan? Paul. And he expected elders in churches to be able to do it. So let, that, let's not go there. Anyway, David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, but now I obey your word. You know why God does that? It is to bring you it doesn't make you sick so it can heal you. No, that's not the idea. It's because the, sick, the, the, the real sickness is worse than you realize. The weakness of the spirit is worse than physical infirmity. So if it needs the physical infirmity to redirect your attention, so that what we used to cause confusion for people is that they said, I'm sick because of God. No, what we are saying is that you will get well if you do what he's saying. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That we direct our attention to the real infirmity. That was what happened to me that time. I'm very convinced about it. I understood it that time. That God was saying, Banky, relax. This, you're, you're too busy pursuing too many things. Relax. Because physically, you're strong. You're able to go up and down. But you are weakening every day in the spirit. You don't realize it. And listen to me. There's no man... There is no person on this earth that is strong in himself. That's why Paul said what? Be strong how? In the Lord. And in the power of his might. There's no strength in you yourself. Now, this is where I'm going. So, there's not every human being can commit murder. Everybody can steal. You included. And me, don't think, Pastor, why are you calling me a thief? Both of us are thieves. It's a thief too. <laughs> If you know what I mean. All of us can do that. Was it Spurgeon or which of these great men of those days saw one drunkard in the street going and said, there goes I, but for the grace of God. There goes I, but for the grace of God. That is, he realized that it's not me that's keeping myself like this. It's what is called what? Grace. It's grace. It's, it's grace. Listen. It's grace. Let me just put it like that. It's grace. Grace is why you are not an armed robber. 
Grace is why you're not a homemonger. Grace is why you're not committing adultery. It is grace. That's why Paul said something. He said, if any one of you is overtaking an offense, let those of you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of what? Humility. Fearing, lest you yourself be tempted. He said, recognize there is one of you yourself can be tempted. That's why Jesus, Jesus looked at Peter. You know, many of the things that Jesus used to do, we look at those things and we see them as, is, you know, is, is merciful and forgiving and all of that. And that is true. I'm not saying it's not merciful. I'm not saying it's not forgiving. But a lot of times, what we don't realize is that his mercy is better described as understanding. Did you hear what I said? What we look at mercy is that it's like, you are wicked, I will not punish you. But a lot of times, that's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what God is doing. He said, mm, it's in the Bible like that. He is mindful that what? We are but flesh. So because of that, he said, what do you expect him to do? He said, foolish boy. He's not describing your wickedness. He's, he's describing your frailty. So when in your frailty, you do something that's wrong, he's quick to forgive as long as you come to him and say, I'm sorry. That is why he kills. He gets angry when you're stubborn in your frailty. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what, listen, that's what God destroys people for. Stubbornness in the midst of frailty. That's, that's it. He did not reject Saul because Saul did not do what he said. He's not, he did not expect Saul to do it. What I'm saying will surprise you. Went to Samuel, go and tell Saul to do this. He says, Saul, he won't do it. He's too weak. Those men that are going with him, they are too strong for him. He will not do it. He said, but do one thing. Only acknowledge your iniquity. So when Paul did not obey God, when, when Saul did not obey God, Samuel now came and said, you did not obey. The man said, I did. What's all of this? Okay, let's bring evidence. Meh, meh. So what is this meh? Do you know Saul did not agree? So Samuel said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has therefore rejected you from being king. Which word? Was it that first instruction? No. It was the word of correction. God doesn't condemn before you made a mistake. He, correct, he condemns you when you refuse to accept that you did wrong. It is stubbornness in the midst of frailty that's the problem. If you stole money, you stole money. Say, Pastor, it's not Nigeria that's the problem. It's me. Leave it like that. If you say the politicians are also taking their own. But are we discussing the politician or discussing you? That's what kills. It's not me. It's the woman you gave to me. I was here. He said, it's not good I'm alone. Eh? I'm no longer alone. See what now. It's your fault. You gave wife. If you have left me alone, nobody will have tempted me. That's where the judgment came from. <laughs> Stubbornness in the midst of your frailty. God understands that people are infirm. They are not strong. Now, why I'm going with all of these things is this. For that reason, you know what he does? He provides grace. So what he watches out for is when we are getting weak. That's where I'm going. We start getting weak. And unfortunately, if you had had grace working with you, you feel very strong. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, grace makes you feel strong. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know? There's power working towards me. You know, I labored more than them all. It's not I. Are you getting my point? Yeah. See, I'm flexing muscle. But there, when grace works with you, there's muscle. 
You're getting my point. You will feel, I mean, you'll come out and say, if I be a man of God, <laughs> then BS will come out of the bush and devour the, 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 the young men. Fire will fall down, consume soldiers. You know, I was a man of God. Nonsense. You start, after a while, you know something. I will go out like before. Where are they? Philistines. Bring me two for breakfast. You don't know that the strength has departed. That's the problem with grace. Sometimes it makes you feel very, very strong. So when God has seen it, and he says, listen, where this my son is going, where this my daughter is going, he's going to wreck destiny. He will not live out his days as the king of Israel. His sons will not mount the throne after him. The things I want to accomplish in this generation will not be accomplished. That is when he sends the infirmities. Why? It is not so that you can get healed of the infirmity, but so that you can focus on the things that really matter. And when strength is being built into the spirit, it starts knocking off infirmities automatically. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added unto you. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, what is God asking of us? I told that story to let you know. I knocked that this just a few weeks ago. Day and night. So in fact, my wife got used to it. Sometimes I just lie down on the bench. Maybe we'll go to the school together and walk in after a while. I'm, I'm, I'm really tired. I'll lie, I just look at the time. Oh, I need to take my medicine. I'll lie down there physically. And I'm reading. What am I reading? Sermons. What am I reading? Scriptures. I'm just reading. I'm reading. I read and read. Do you feel stronger? No, I don't feel anything. For information, I don't feel nothing. I won't lie to you that day. As I was reading that word, <laughs> I could feel the power coming from the book into me. Nothing. Like an egg, we say, I felt normal when I began reading. I felt normal. That is, I just felt like my normal self. But I continued to do that until I was 100% whole. I said, wait what to turn a man of God to a drug addict? It's not the will of God. <laughs> there are times I ask myself, I say, Banky, you are feeling fine now. When does you take your medicine? I say, that's the problem with human beings. Once they are, David said, before I was afflicted, I went that straight. I said, so I told myself, let me be obeying the word, affliction or no affliction. So there are times I wake up, I just carry the book, I read. Carry the scriptures, read. Just play a message, hear it for 30 minutes. Feed the spirit. Stop counting the number of people that die from coronavirus. Have you getting my point? It weakens you. It weakens you. It does. Oh, the, let me prophesy again. You know, abroad they had the first wave. We had a short first wave. Remember that? They went down. They all dipped a bit. Then they had a huge second wave, right? Then we had a small second wave. You remember that? Let me prophesy to you. That second wave is also dying now. Amen. Absolutely. Thus far and no further. Amen. I say thus far and no further. Amen. Thus far and no further. Amen. What am I saying to us? This is the instruction for this year, people of God. There's no quick miracle. We are not looking for it. What God is telling us is everybody, build up the inner man. How do you build up the inner man? Through focus. Through attention. You know why? Let me say, let me give you the reason. Now, this is where I wanted to start from, but I hope you have been blessed so far. 
Every sickness in you is healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And I keep, I've been saying that since last year. No matter what it is. I like what the John G. Lake said. He said physical healing for us is not the end. He said, but it is a, he says a, it's a sign for us of what God is really doing in the spirit. And that is the more important thing. That is just an outward sign. And I told the Lord, we want that outward sign fully manifested. It's in the scriptures, not one we say I'm sick. Yes? Luke chapter 21. Let me read this. And I close with it. The book of Luke chapter 21. <laughs> oh, why am I laughing? You've heard this before. God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. It's not scripture, but it's derived out of experience. All right? Of people who have seen God work. And it's interesting. If you read scriptures, it's actually there. What I'm about to say. The Bible started with a very cataclysmic way. You like my English? It started in a cataclysmic way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Next line says what? And the earth was without form and void. That word was, literally in Hebrew, is the earth became without form and void. So our current existence was shaken, first of all, as a foundation of everything. And darkness was upon the surface of the deep. Then the Spirit of God began to move over the surface of the waters. Then in the midst of all that trouble, what happened? God said, light be, and there was light. They began to put order into everything. This is a statement I want to make. It appears from scriptures. The appearance of the kingdom of God is always heralded by trouble. Yes. It's heralded by what? By trouble. When I talk about the kingdom of God, now you have to bear this in mind. There are different manifestations of the kingdom of God. Now let me say something to you quickly. If you have been studying how to make money, I command you, stop. If you have ever picked a book for the purpose of learning the tricks of becoming rich in life, no matter what you think, God calls it what? Worldliness. And he said, you will be pierced through with many sorrows. He said, those that want to be rich. Is that, is that, is that not what he said? Yes. It's clear like that. <laughs> you know one of the things that I've learned in recent times? Before, I used to think it applied to me as a preacher. But in recent times, I've taught my wife it applies to you also. It applies to every child of God. He says, see everything as a mission. We discussed that towards the end of last year. We were talking about power for wealth. I explained there that we're not teaching how to make money. Let me say something to you quickly. Most of the wealth in this world you see right now is false. It's false. And it distracts people. Let me give you an example. Now, what I want to say, please, don't join me in case you are somewhere analyzing that. Pastor Banky, do you know about economics? I know what I'm saying. I know spiritual economics. And what I'm, the statement I'm about to make, I'm making from the foundation of spirituality. 
I'm talking spiritual economics. I'm not trying to argue with you things in the world. You understand? You see where I'm going in a moment. You know Bitcoin, Ethereum, all those currencies. Last week, Bitcoin crossed 40,000 US dollars for one in price. And everybody that knows money in the world agrees on one thing. It has no inherent value. Inherent value, zero. Every economist knows. Um, Warren Buffett and Co. said about two years ago that this will not come to a good end. Because it defies every logic. Uh, what's the name of this our guy? The current richest man in the world? Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. I can't believe it. The name of his company is what? Tesla. Now, the man, Tesla, the original man, Tesla, all right? His first, the full name is Nikola Tesla. Another company was started to make electric SUVs. And they called the name of that other company Nikola. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Tesla is somebody's name. This man brought it because those are the people who worked on the early technologies of electricity. What you call alternative current now. That's what Tesla developed. Now, so it's called Tesla, the company. So they went outside another company called Nikola. That one had not made one vehicle. Not one vehicle. I don't know about now. As of last year, they hadn't made one. Yet, they opened the stock market. It became, it became the, the company had more value than a lot of big companies that have been making millions of cars over the years. If you still believe money has value, you don't know anything. People just wake up and give value to nonsense. They just woke up one day and say, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. They started talking about it. And if, in case you don't know, it's strategic. They talk about it so much until it gets value. Then they start driving down. You see one bishop. Uh, don't call anybody's name because I don't want to edit anything. You see one bishop taking the name of the Lord in vain and said the first African cryptocurrency. I looked at the man. Eh? I don't know him in case he's your cousin. One arm. What did I say? Okay, you don't know Pigeon English. Warn him that we have been praying against a certain kind of spirit which is exhibiting. You can launch any currency you want to launch. Please remove that color first. Remove that cross. Don't mix the gospel with the fallacy in the world. Don't bring this thing into the temple. What's wrong with you? I look at the guy. I said, this guy, your face looks like you're begging for punishment. <laughs> yes, like you're begging to be made an example. Because when God arises and he wants to scatter his enemies, don't think he's going to the camp of the Philistines. Those that didn't want somebody. Imagine me now say, I'm starting a banking coin. <laughs> you know what God will do? He'll punish me. Punish my wife. Punish your okay, Punish Israel. Punish Venice. <laughs> Anybody around is in trouble. <laughs> he said, God, what did you say? Where were you when your pastor was starting banking coin? <laughs> you go back. You go punish you. <laughs> The Lord is good. What's the Lord to make? One of the things the Lord has told me recently, eh? <laughs> last year, just a banking. Anything you want to do in life, just do it. As a mission. Everything must be what? A mission. 
Every single thing must be a mission. There must be a purpose you want to fulfill. There must be something that is driving you, which you know you will leave a substance as a blessing for people on the earth. If you cannot identify that, don't bother starting anything. Get a job. Not say you shouldn't work. Get a job just to be, keep busy. But you want to start something. Ask yourself, what am I contributing? See it as a mission. That is the only way to survive anyway. But if you can get your mission, and please listen to me, don't let anybody value it for you. Forbes, God forbids Forbes to be the valuer of your mission. No, it's not allowed. If they decide that you are worth a hundred billion dollars, don't look at it. And if they decide you're only worth ten ten thousand dollars, don't be discouraged. Take your valuation from the experiences and the lives of the people. Do you get my point? That you are touching. Take your valuation from the thing that you are affecting. It's important. Because the problem people have, and I keep on telling people, stop rushing to the stock market. I'm not saying totally no, no. I say what? Rushing. A lot of people just want to get to that stock market because they want to have their name on a particular list. When people give you their money, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking to some people prophetically now. You just realize that. When people give you their money, they are buying part of your control. You know that in reality. But more importantly, they are buying into your destiny. You should be slow to sell. Listen. Many, many so-called startups that believers will get involved in because they don't look for investors early. They will buy your destiny. Say, how will I get money? Say, don't worry about it. I'm not, I'm not teaching business now. I just want to drop that for Christians. Be careful when you are using the ways of the world. At the end of the day, what you are trying to get is what? The result of the world. And what overcomes is whatever is what? Born of God. I had I get into that. I can't remember for sure. Okay? But I know something I wanted to say, okay? But one thing I want to say is that Let's get our lives ready to truly experience the power of God. The reason why we don't, many things we are doing, is because we sell our bed rights, we go worldly, we don't feed on the scriptures, we don't feed on the word of God. We are grabbing the, you know, the vanities in this life. The emptiness that's around. So, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Suddenly we get envious. And we start wondering, how can we tow that line? And God says, if you think about that, think about it again, you think about it too many times, you will pierce yourself through with what? Sorrows. And many sorrows, it's not just I feel sad. It's diabetes, it's hypertension, it's cancer. That's what they call many sorrows. Don't think that, hey, I feel so many sorrows, I'm not smiling. Many sorrows. Many sorrows means stroke. Many sorrows, you can't sleep. Many sorrows, every time they are testing you, your blood is either going up, or down, or side, it will not set to. Turbulence in your soul, reflected in your blood pressure. That's many sorrows. That's what it's called, many sorrows. What am I going to say? You know what God wants to do in our lives? That's actually the statement I wanted to make. Let's talk about that wealth as an example. He wants to manifest supernatural wealth for people. And I'm happy they didn't shout, Amen. Do you know why? 
Because many times you people shout amen. You know what they are saying? It's supernatural Bentley. Because God brings supernatural wealth, number of reasons. But one of those things that he doesn't do is make you specially richer than the people around you. No, he doesn't do that. But it makes you so influential. You can change nations. You can call resources. You say, what do you need to do here? It's going to cost like $3 billion. Okay, I'll talk to three of my guys. We'll put the money down. And you come to church driving a small car and nobody will have suspected. Even a prophet, a prophet cannot reveal to them that he can afford such. Yes. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen beginning from now. Yeah, now, now. Convinced in my heart. Enough of struggles. Yes, enough of struggles. And let me tell you again. You can't, you, you, do I need to tell you again? Even though I want to tell you again. <laughs> but I don't need to tell you again. There's no way you can run to in this world. Have you not seen it? There's nowhere. There's nowhere. What you have seen now is attack on health. Right? Now, you know, no, nobody, nobody in his right sense is now going abroad now for medical checkup because you get, you travel to go and get foreign coro and foreign coro. <laughs> it's, it's a local rice, foreign rice matter. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know. No, really, see what God did now. I mean, I, I will not the ones that want to import foreign one and then look at Wahala we are causing. God says, I want you people, I blessed you. I, I mean, I had my angels ride. They caught the boundary. You people crossed the boundary. I went and brought something. See Wahala. Don't worry, I'll do it for you again. But I'm warning all of you. Now, what I wanted to tell you is that first, health was attacked. All right? Listen to this. Two more things will be attacked worldwide peace and food security. That's wealth. See, you hear Elon Musk, um, Jeff Bezos getting richer and richer and richer. <laughs> what many people don't know, or Bitcoin hitting $40,000, is that, that those monies are created from dilution of overall value of the individual U.S. dollar. My friend in the U.S. were talking about it. He said the way my government is printing the dollar. He said very soon my money will not be worth more than toilet paper. I said, oh, at least you understand it. Many people don't. America, now they say, okay, give $2,000 or $600 to everybody. It's costing a few trillions of dollars. Where do you think the money is coming from? Empty space, nothing. What I just did is to, re- is to redirect the value. So if the real value for everything that was available was $100 trillion, we print another, create another $10 trillion, spread it again thinner. So each dollar is getting cheaper and cheaper by the day. That's why they will tell you that this was a $1960 because $1960 is worth more than two times of this dollar. It's not the Naira that's going on. It's every currency. And it's in the scriptures... When God attacks the bread, attacks, when the angels ride, you understand? You see famine, you see pestilence, you see things, and you hear one uh, bird flying and say, do not hurt the oil and the wine. You know what that means? In the midst of everything, the rich will keep on getting richer. Listen to me, the poor are getting poorer. It's in the scriptures. Do not hurt the oil and the wine. That's why Jeff Bezos is getting richer. That's why Elon Musk is getting richer. It's called do not hurt the oil and the wine. Why does he do it like that? I don't know. Don't ask me. Don't follow me as a pastor. Why does God do such things? Do you think I know everything? If I knew everything, I'll have created another universe. (laughs) 
The Lord is good. I'm using that one to explain something to you. You can't run anywhere. The whole world, they, listen, there's something that God did that I just realized, I laughed. When the second wave of coronavirus began, they thought it was because they let loose the restrictions. But then, they now noticed that another strain was there that was spreading almost twice as fast as the former one. It has now taken over most of England and all of that. So, so that even two countries with both the coronavirus are now locking down against each other, that your corona is worse than mine. Yeah, that's what happened. Germany said, no, no, you can't. France said, no, no, you can't come here. They closed the Euro tunnel. Close everything. No, no, never. No, don't come here from England. Why? Your corona is worse than our own. Then quickly they said, the vaccine works against the new one. I said, it's a lie. You don't know. Take that from me. Because you had finished your tests before the new one came out. And without anything, just came and said, it works. I said, come on, don't be silly. You don't know. It's possible it works. Now they are testing already whether it works. I don't want to tell you why they are saying it works. Okay, I'll tell you. Because they have to sell it. But what that told me, okay, when I saw it, I just smiled. Because I was saying something before. I said, relax. I said, after this one, something worse will come up. I didn't even know it would come up so fast. You know, I said it last year, if you go and remember. I said, something worse is going to come. I didn't even know it was going to come in that sequence. But that tells me something. Let us assume for any reason. Because what happens at, um, let me teach you small, and you read in the papers. What this vaccine is ta- attacking is the spikes on the, on the virus, okay? So if for any reason, the virus decides to change the spikes, we're back to square one. And this is going twice as fast as the former one. So it will kill faster than the other one was killing. Don't be scared yet. All I said is if. <laughs> it hasn't happened. But it told me it can happen. What does that tell you? The power belongs to God. That's the statement I'm trying to make. The power belongs to God. Now, this is said, take a lesson from the fig tree. I'm giving you an instruction. Take a lesson from the coronavirus. There's no safety anywhere. My friend said that his children worry every day whether daddy will not get coronavirus because he's a doctor. That they, they worry. They pray because they know doctors who have died in the United States from this plague. What I'm going to tell you is this. See, get ready to have the power of God. It's the only safety in this generation. That's the point I'm making. There's no safety anywhere. The time I'm going to have my children abroad. Do people, do, do people still do such foolish things? I'm going to have my children abroad so they can have an American visa. If you are still doing that, I don't think your head is working. I personally don't think so. I think you, don't, you, you can't see. Just born your children where it's convenient. That's all I can tell you. Because what will happen tomorrow you don't know. You see what Brother Donald did to America? <laughs> so they are ashamed enter my face like this. In case you don't know, we may be laughing. If Americans don't pray, it's called a civil war. Oh, FBI right now, they are on the edge. Because the guys who are protesting are carrying machine guns. Oh, you think it's a joke? They have the right to carry the guns. Their constitution says you can carry the gun. So, they, 
You don't get my point. If they come in next time, you think they will kick them out like before? The boys are coming armed. So that right now, <laughs> I read the other FBI is like, no, they are on high alert against local boys who are insisting election was stolen and they are all armed. You can say the police can handle them. That's true. I'm not saying they can't. But who wants to kill 10,000 citizens? They don't want to have to do that. But if the boys show up with their guns for the inauguration, they will shoot them. Right now, they say no public coming for the inauguration. You know what somebody said? Thank God for coronavirus. That, <laughs> that was a good excuse. Say we don't want public. But the main thing guys are afraid of is they don't want protesters armed. So don't put your hope in America. You should have seen enough to know it, it can disintegrate. And in case you don't know, if enough of those boys, if they are enough in a particular state, they will say, we are pulling out of the, the union. Yes. Well, I'll start again. Yes. What am I telling you, people of God? There's no safety anywhere. There's none. And this is what I'm introducing to you. Get ready to live in the kingdom of God. Focus your life on God's word until the power, now I'm going to use as an example, the power of Elijah enters into your life. That's what I'm teaching. That's, listen, there is no middle of the ground living again. That you don't know what you believe, you don't know what you are facing, you don't know what you are doing. The country we are living in, so many dangers around. In fact, Enugu, sometimes I wonder, I, say, I should pray for Enugu, we should pray more. Because sometimes it's as if there's no way to get out or get, get into Enugu. Then my mother told me the other day that, ah, that she does not leave the home again. No. That this road is so dangerous that people don't go in their private cars again before kidnappers. That tells me that the days we are living in are very, very, very perilous. But I said she opened somewhere, right? Luke 21, all right. But remember, the kingdom of God what happens to it is heralded by what? Trouble. Thank you. Trouble. So trouble of any, every side. It depresses normal people. But people of faith, let's see what the Bible says about them. Verse 10. Then they continue by saying, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes, and in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony, that every trouble you have is God's giving you an opportunity for what? Testimony. Bear it in mind. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to, Je- to the mountains. 
And those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city. Because these are days of vengeance. So that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to these people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. He said there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now look at verse 28. But when these things begin to take place, now verse 27 is in brackets, in parentheses actually. Verse 28 says, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up and look up, Lift up your heads because your redemption is what? Drawing near. See, troubles heralding your redemption. Can you see that? Troubles. Then they told them a parable. Behold the, the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away. Until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on your guard, he says, so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert at all times. Somebody say focus. focus. Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place. And to stand before the Son of Man. Now I've read this to bring out the principle. Which time will not allow me to go into right now. But to let us understand that as believers. And I'll just say something briefly about it. I've said that the kingdom of God is heralded by trouble. In the beginning, trouble everywhere. Then God created a perfect earth out of that. What I'm saying to you again is this. Anytime you see trouble. Your reaction must be different from that of the world around. I hope you're getting my point. In the midst of trouble, you are not allowed to say, what are we going to do? What nonsense country is this? Just know that trouble is heralding something for you. It is announcing the coming of a kingdom. question, therefore, is would that kingdom come in your own life? That's just the question. Because if you see the principle of Jesus Christ in these days, he made it clear that he, he said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons from the midst of you, then the kingdom of God was, has come upon you. What does that tell you? When Jesus arrived, he was a personification, the embodiment of the kingdom of God. But the Pharisees were not blessed by that. It was condemnation for them. I'm trying to bring out something here. The midst of this trouble, God wants to bless his kingdom tangibly in somebody's life. Listen to me, so that you'll be walking, you will walk in miracles as a natural thing. Economy is getting harder. God said, good. Now, let me show you what I mean when I say I can supply. Let me, let me show you what I mean when Abraham said the Lord will provide. Let me show you that my power to provide the wilderness has not disappeared. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, In the midst of calamity, look out for the salvation that God is sending in your direction. And get ready for it. Let's bow down our heads. Oh, as the word was coming forth, I don't know.
Just pray. That's all I can just say. Just pray. You have five minutes. Pray. Pray that you will not be weighted down by the cares of this world, by carelessness, by drunkenness. Pray that what God wants to do will not overtake you as you focus on the things that happen in the world. Plagues have been commanded by God. They will come once in a while. He said, but this is my plan for my children. They will see with their eyes, but it will not come near them. Remember we said it? It's in the scriptures. Elijah went to meet with God. So many distractions. So many distractions. So many distractions. But God was not in those things. What was God in? The still small voice. The still small voice. The sound of a gentle blowing. That's where God was. The sound of a gentle blowing. That's where God was. The sound of a gentle blowing. So, let's not focus on what is happening outside. Let's focus on what God is saying. It's time to prepare our hearts for the flow of the Spirit of God. Yes, there's a release coming. There's a revival coming. Listen to me. Philip will go again to Samaria and do the wonders of Christ there. Yes. And people will give attention because of the miracles and the healings that they will see. It's coming. There are so many Philips listening to me this evening. Philips are being released and they are going to Samaria. Philips are being released. They are moving into Samaria. And they are going to preach Christ there. They are going to leave their churches and recognize that God is not inside the building. They will heal in the market. In their offices. It doesn't have to be open market. We're not doing show here. They will lay hands on the sick in an office, and the person will recover. Somebody will go t- tap a man. You don't even know. The family been crying. We just came and said, ah, you heard the man was sick. You entered the room. You didn't know he died 10 minutes before you came, or one hour before. But they went out. God left the door open for you. You went and tapped and said, oh boy, hey John, I hear you've not been feeling well. And the man will get up and say, but I'm recovering now. What you will not know, you will not know. That your tap raised him from the dead. <laughs> the man the other day, I, was, I went to preach in um, somewhere near Otukbo. The man said they brought a man that was dead to his crusade. He, he thought the man fell under the power. He didn't know he was dead. <laughs> he told them, put him down, he'll be fine. He thought he fell under the power. They threw the man down, he was fine. It was later on they told him that the man was dead. <laughs> he thought it was just a man who fell under the power. So we're not talking about you grind your teeth and believe God. No, 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 no. We're not talking about this grinding teeth faith. It's just God walking in a life that has been prepared. God walking in a life that's kind of the spirit of Elijah. That's what we're talking about. This is the season. This is the season. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, the Lord is good. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Now say it after me. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, when we came to you, we did not come with the excellency of man's wisdom. But how did we come? The demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. All right, let's do it one more time. This is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, bless the people beside you. Say, this is your season. This is your season.